Good morning to everybody here in Maryville, everybody watching online and at our FC Knoxville location. We're glad that you guys are connecting. Uh, we're in a series called The Pursuit of Wisdom. And today we're going to close out the series, brand new series starting next week. I hope you'll be here. But uh, as we get going this morning, how many of you grew up watching that, um, the show called Friends? Anybody? Friends? Yeah. Uh, watching Friends when I was in high school and college was um, uh, kind of one of those things that you didn't realize it was happening, but you were learning a lot about what friendships are, and you were learning a lot about how to date and be in relationships, you know, with the opposite sex at that point. And, and uh, so when I think back on what I learned about uh, relationships through friends, I'm shocked that I'm still married today. <laughs> Because those were some terrible lessons when you go back and you watch some of these shows. For instance, uh, some of the lessons I learned watching this was never share your true feelings. Ross and Rachel could never talk about their real feelings for each other. They just kind of lied the whole time. In fact, another lesson was lie to protect yourself. Um, uh, Monica and Chandler dated for months and they never told their friends about it for whatever reason, right? They just lied all the time. Uh, we saw Joey just sleeping around all the time and everybody laughed about that. And that's kind of part of, you know, who he was and really the whole group. And, and we also kind of learned that marriage isn't sacred um, because it wasn't really valued. And, and uh, Ross was married, what, three times? And he had a baby outside of, you know, wedlock with uh, Rachel. So it's like, these are terrible messages. <laughs> these are terrible, like, principles for how to live life. And yet our culture... And even us, if we're honest, loved that show. We tuned in every night, every week. And you just think about how our, our, this generation and my generation specifically, and even now, like young people are watching that show, are, are learning how to be in friendships, how to be in relationships, and how detrimental it is. I guess the only you know, redeemable part of the, of the whole series was that they, they really valued friendships. And friendships were you know, a, a pivotal point of the show and, 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 and probably the theme song is probably the best theme song of all time. I don't know, probably. Uh, I'm not gonna sing it for you, but I'll be there for you. Kind of catchy. We could all sing it. Some of you are older and you were like, no, no, no. Cheers has the best theme song, right? All the old people, that's how we used to do it back then. Yeah, and, and that show was so popular, again, because it was about friends. It was about friendships. Well, Cheers was a lot about alcohol too, but mostly it was about friendships. And so, um, you know, the thing is, we are wired for friendships. We are wired for relationships. Our culture tunes into these TV shows because they desire to see it modeled and to somehow vicariously be friends with the people behind the screens. And it's a very real part of who we are as human beings. God says in Genesis 2, that it is not good for man to be alone. And so we have a desire for it. God desired and wired us to be in relationships. And so today I wanna to talk about some principles of being a good friend. And let's apply this not just to our buddies, but also to our marriages, because I think your best friend ought to be your spouse. And so we're thinking in terms of, of, of both ways here as we're thinking about uh, what it means to be a good friend. Jim Rohn motivational speaker once said that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. 
So think about the five people that you spend the most time with and you're gonna kind of combine all of those traits and who they are. And that's gonna be kind of your makeup as you move forward. Maybe your mom used to tell me, tell you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You probably heard that one. And I think these statements all point to the reality that who you and I spend time with is gonna be a great influence on who we are today, but also who we're gonna become in the future. And so who you're spending time with is crucial. We know this to be true. Um, when we're young, you know, sometimes the people that you get in trouble with when you look back are the friends that were influencing you in a negative way. Every time you got in trouble, it was because you were, you know, in or with this, this guy or that, that girl, right? And so we know this to be true. Solomon actually says it like this in Proverbs 13. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And you might just circle that word will because it's not maybe, it's not there's a higher percentage. No, he says you will suffer harm if you are walking around with fools. But the, in the positive sense, whoever walks with those who are wise are going to become wise. And so when you spend time with people that elevate you and encourage you uh, to walk with God, your future um, is going to be much brighter. If you walk with those who are unwise that bring you down, you're gonna suffer much harm. And so we're encouraged to spend time with friends um, who are wise. And so if you spend time with um, married couples who are wise and successful, chances are your marriage will improve. Chances are you'll pick up on their good habits, their good communication skills, the vibe of, of that relationship will be, will be incorporated into your life. And so chances are you'll have a more successful marriage. If you spend time with people who uh, run and lead their business well, and it's a healthy organization, uh, chances are as you spend time with them, you're gonna adopt some of those ways and principles and, and your business in turn will uh, improve. So we're spending time with, with people who are wise. If you spend time with people who care about church, who care about God, who care about spiritual growth, chances are you're gonna begin to care about that as well. You see, friends will either bring out the good in you or your friends will bring out the bad in you. So think about the different types of friends that you have and the different setting that you walk into. If you walk into one uh, setting, it might be friends that encourage you and inspire you to, to do good. And so you talk about spiritual things and, and that's a very positive environment for you. And so that's what, what you take yourself into that environment and you feel that. But then there's also, I know for me, if I hang out with another group of friends, they bring out the bad in me. I, I, I can become critical like them or if I'm watching sports with them, I'm yelling at the TV just like them, right? And so that, that, that it just tends to happen. There are friends that bring out the good in you and there are friends that bring out the bad in us as well. Some friends are like anchors. They just hold us down. They weigh us down. They hold us back from the future that God wants to give to us, right? Some friends are like eagles, right? They help us fly higher. They, they allow us to take positive steps in our relationship with God and, and they give us courage and they give us energy to do what God wants us to do. And so they help us fly higher. As we've talked about wisdom in this series, we've seen in the book of Proverbs that you can either follow the, the way of wisdom or you can 
follow the way of folly or stupidity. That's really the theme of the book. And, and so we started with the wisdom of the cross in week one. Um, and, and, and that was huge. We talked about the wisdom of trusting God. Last week, we talked about the wisdom of sexual discipline. And I've never heard so many men in our church like, willing to apply what they learned on Sunday morning. And um, if you were here, you, that was funny, at least. It was supposed to be funny, but wow. Um, uh, first service, got it. But um, so I, t- today I want to talk about the wisdom of, of what it looks like to cultivate godly friendships. And, and so to do that, I want to look at, at several passages. It's hard to really teach like straight through a chapter in Proverbs because he jumps from topic to topic so quickly. So we're gonna look at various verses. And as we do this, I know one of the temptations when we hear a sermon on this particular topic is to hear about all the good qualities of good friendships. And then we're tempted to just kind of go, well, man, I don't have any friends like that. I wish I had friends like that. And it's just like, woe is me. And we apply it with the sense that like we don't have that. And so what I want to encourage you to do, like as we hear these principles, that you would be thinking in terms of, am I a friend like this to someone else? So are you being a friend like this to other people? And, and, I, and I, I think if you do that, it'll be way more helpful. And so uh, four principles of good friendship. The first one is this, a good friend is loyal. So in Proverbs 17, 17, Solomon says, a friend loves at all times, right? not just sometimes, at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So to be a good friend means that you and I are going to be loyal. I've kind of got that head cold going on. And so if I start hacking, just be okay with it. But some friends are only there when things are going good. You know, you have some friends that want to be around you as long as you're providing something beneficial to them. And then when things are not going so great, they're not getting anything beneficial from you, then they're not around. We all know what a fair weather friend is. This is the exact type of person that is around when things are good and when you're offering something to them. But when you're going through a a troubling situation or whatever, they're nowhere to be found. Uh, If you remember the great movie Shrek, part two specifically, um, you remember the theme song was called Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows, which is also a college throwback for me. But when you hear that song, yeah, maybe catchy, but you don't fall in love by accident. Um, And you certainly don't make friends by accident. It takes time and intentionality. It takes loyalty. It takes a willingness to to, uh, forgive. It takes time, right? There's intentionality behind making a good friend and being a loyal friend. And a loyal friend is someone who loves at all times, in your good days and on your bad days. Uh, you've all maybe had friends for, you know, maybe 20 plus years, but if you've had someone who's a friend for that long, uh, they have offended you at least one time in your life. If they haven't, please tell me who they are. I want to be their friend, but most of us have been hurt. And so if you're going to be a good friend, a loyal friend, you're going to have to be able to forgive when a friend lets you down or a friend hurts your feelings. And so we know it's not by accident. To be loyal means that you have made a commitment to forgive and to move forward. So friendships are messy, just like every relationship, just like marriage, but they're not healthy by accident. 
Making, friend take, making friends takes a lot of work. It takes time. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay on friendship that's really awesome if, if you want to read it. But he talks about how friendships are discovered more than they're created. And so you can't force them. And if you try to force them and you're trying to you know, become friends with something and you're trying too hard, it gets kind of weird and it kind of falls apart. Single guys, so take note of this when you're trying to date a girl. If you're trying too hard, then you know, they don't, they're not gonna want anything to do with you. So basically he talks about how friendship really t- starts to happen when you find a common love. So it's like, oh, you love to golf. I do too. Oh, you love this. I do too. And it's out of that common bond that then a friendship can develop. And so it develops naturally out of common loves. Um, so that means that friendships are give and take, right? You've probably been in a relationship with someone that's kind of a one-sided relationship. Think about this for a minute. If you're friends with someone who is um, never initiating, you always have to initiate. You always have to invite. You are the one that's always giving advice and not really ever getting any. You're always the one giving love. Not, you're not really... Re- getting it returned to you. You're giving encouragement. You're not getting any encouragement back, right? This other person is taking from you, but they're not giving anything to the relationship. So that is not a friendship. That's a ministry. That's you mentoring. That's you maybe discipling. That's you um, counseling someone. Those are great relationships But what I wanna help you understand today is that you need to understand what that relationship is because sometimes our expectation is that a friend would give back, but that person's not really a friend. You're really just pouring into them. So you're kind of a, a mentor relationship. And if you don't understand what it is, then you start to become bitter. You start to become angry at that person because they never call you and they never text you and they would never invite you out to lunch. So, so, so we just need to identify it for what it is. And, and listen, if you find yourself in some of those relationships, those are great. You should pour into people. You should be counseling. You should be mentoring that person. Just don't have that expectation that would cause you to get angry or upset at that person for not being a friend back to you. Call it what it is. All real friendships are both a give and a take. Both of you are initiating Both of you are advising. It's a two-way street and you are both adding value to one another. That's what a loyal friendship ought to look like. And so are you a friend like that? Are you a loyal friend to someone in that way? Here's the second principle. A good friend can be closer than family. So Solomon says in Proverbs 18, a man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? So there are two words here. The word for companion, whoops. Oh, it's gonna give me problems here. So the word companion is one Hebrew word that's, that's kind of like a, a, a level of friendship that's essentially like a buddy, right? This is a buddy that you golf with, that you watch football with, those kinds of things. But this is a different Hebrew word. And so there's, there's like a different level And we all have different levels of friends and and that's okay. But again, I think identifying those different levels are important. Some of you think, 
I don't have a brother or a sister, so I don't have that really tight, close friend like so-and-so. They're sisters and they're just so tight. They're so close. And, but, but what you see here is that Solomon says, you can have a friend that's even closer than a family member. A family member, you know, maybe you're close to them simply because you're, you're related, you're blood. But a good friend is, is someone that isn't forced to, they're, they're voluntarily loving you. And so there's, there's a difference here and, and we all have differences in some of the casual relationships we have, right? If you have a companion, a buddy, this is somebody you might work with, somebody your neighbor's with, you go to church with, you hang out with some, you can eat with, you can talk, you're friendly. But if you go through a, a difficult season in your life, they're not really there to help you get through that. They're not really there supporting you, right? That's a, that would be a buddy. That would be a companion. They might be enjoyable, but they're not really reliable, right? That's, that's the difference. We, we, we see that in our life. When circumstances change, maybe they get a job and they move from the, 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 the place where you guys are working together, then the relationship kind of breaks down because it was kind of we're just kind of friends because we work together or we were neighbors. And so for a season we were friends and then they moved away and then we kind of lost touch. That happens in life. Through different seasons of our life, we're gonna have friends that come and go. These are what we would call companions. But Solomon is saying, if you only have companions and buddies, then you're more likely to experience ruin. If that's all you have, then ruin is, 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 is possible for you, more possible. The percentages are much higher. You need a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother. So lasting friends are committed to our well-being. They're committed and loyal. They're, does it matter if they live close by? Does it matter if they live far away? Does it matter if you work with them anymore or you're not working with them anymore? These types of friends would protect you even if it meant great sacrifice on their part. And so are we a friend like this to someone? All right, thirdly, a good friend makes you a better Christian. A good friend makes you a better Christian. In Proverbs 27, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then in verse nine, he says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So, you know people in your life who all they do is compliment you and all they do is, is tell you how great you are and, and uh, that you might call them a friend of me, right? It's like, mm, it's all these great, you know, lovey-dovey, this is wonderful. He says, be careful about that person, right? Because that, that, that's, that's, that's not what we're looking for. Like, I, I want a faithful friend and faithful friends are friends that sometimes wound. But he follows this up by saying, oral and perfume make the heart glad. And, and this earnest counsel comes around to these wounds and soothes that wound. And so at this time, oil was used, like if you were wounded or you had some type of skin issue, the, 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 the oil would be used to, uh, to bring healing to that wound. And so it's almost like what he's saying, this, this is what he's saying. He's saying a, a true friend, a good friend is someone who will in fact make you a better Christian. And so what they do is they, they might say something that stings a little bit, but they're such a good friend that they come around and it makes it healing and, it, and, and it's soothing as well because they do it in such a way that brings healing into your life. Enemies will only tell you what you wanna hear, but a true friend is someone who is an earnest counselor. 
Now, the hard part about this is that we don't do this well at all. We're really not so great at this. We don't want people who are gonna be fake, but we also don't want people who are gonna hurt our feelings all the time in our life either. And so counsel needs to be gentle for it to be effective. It's gotta be gentle if it's gonna be effective. And reality is some of you are just too harsh. You're too harsh. And so you, you live by this mantra that, well, I just tell it like it is. And you know, I call it like I see it. And it's like, that's really, really arrogant. And how you see it uh, doesn't mean that it's right. You know, if you're telling it like it is, you're telling it like you see it and, and you could be seeing it very wrong, right? And so we have to not be arrogant, we wanna be humble and we don't wanna become critics of our friends. Instead, we wanna be a true friend who, who would be able to talk about difficult things, but do it with respect and grace and love and from a place of humility. I could be wrong, but it looks like, it feels like fill in the blank. So Proverbs 27, famous verse, I know you know this. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So God wants you to be a sharp blade for his purpose. Think of it of a sharp ax doing damage to, you know, a, a block of wood. Think of a, a sword that is sharp. Why? It's a tool used um, by the hand of God to do great things in this world. If you are a dull blade, you're gonna be pounded upon a block of wood and not do any good, no purpose. And so God says, I want you to be in a, in a relationship where you're gonna have someone, whether it's a spouse, whether it's other friends in your life that sharpen you, that make you better, that help you become a more mature follower of Jesus. And so this is the encouragement. And so the reason why some of you don't have friends like this is because you just don't want one. You don't want someone to challenge you. You don't want someone to sharpen you. Because when someone sharpens you, it's a little abrasive. So it's, a, it's a little difficult, right? We, don't, we just want to be left alone. We want to come home from a hard day's work and just be left alone. We want peace and quiet and comfort. And Solomon says, you can have that, but if you have that and you go for that and that's your main thing, then, then, then harm is in your future. You're gonna suffer in your future. What's gonna bring you the most joy, what's gonna bring you the most happiness, what's gonna bring you the most impact in this world is if you have a friend that helps you get better and sharpens you. And we all need that no matter who we are, no matter how young or old we are. I'm gonna go back to a previous point, a good friend doesn't happen by accident. See, this doesn't happen by accident. Becoming sharper doesn't happen by accident. If you want a friend who's gonna sharpen you to make you better, it's gonna take you seeking it out. You've gotta ask for it. You gotta invite people to lunch. You gotta get in a small group. You gotta say, hey, will you, will you help me grow in this area? Hey, will you, will you, you know, let me know if, if this or that is happening in my life. This is an invitation that you're giving to someone else to sharpen you. The reason why we don't have it is because we don't want that. And here's the thing, buddies are fine. Companions are great. We need companions to watch the game with, play golf with, all that stuff is great. But buddies don't help you with the difficult things of life. A good companion is superficial. They don't necessarily help you with important things or significant things. 
But a good friend is someone who will talk about spiritual growth. They'll talk about God. A good friend is someone that'll pray with you. And that's a desire that God put in your heart. And it's something that you need and that we all need in order to have a blade, so to speak, that is sharp for the purpose of God. Listen, you can't become wise at the level that Solomon talks about in this book without a Christian friend speaking into your life. It's why we say growth happens in relationships. Now, growth doesn't only happen in relationships, but it's a huge part of how we grow. Someone else discipling us and growing us and challenging us in ways that would allow us to mature. And yes, small groups are important. And so my question, are you a friend that makes other people sharp? Are you someone that is, is, is able to develop a relationship that encourages other people to actually grow? Here's the fourth principle today. A good friend forgives and moves forward. A good friend forgives and moves forward. Now, again, remember, spouses, relationship, marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, all that's great stuff. Proverbs 17, whoever would foster love, let's try this again. Whoever would foster love covers. No, you just refuse to work. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So the word cover there, it means that someone would, would cover an offense. So you've been hurt by somebody, you've been offended by somebody. And so you would forgive that person, right? And you would forgive, you would cover because you wanna foster love in a relationship. So if you wanna foster love, you are willing to cover an offense. You're willing to forgive an offense. However, if you are someone who repeats the matter, we talked about it, I forgave you. And then a week later, well, that's what you always do. Remember last week when you did X, Y, and Z? That's repeating the matter. That's never happened in your marriage, has it? I mean, that's just, of course. He says, if you bring it back up and then in six weeks, you bring it back up again. And then next year you bring it back. If you bring it up, you're gonna separate your close friend. It's a, it's a relational principle. And so, if you're gonna seek love, if you're gonna foster love in your friendships and in your marriage, like you've gotta be willing to cover it, forgive. And if you're young and you're newly married or you're just dating, you gotta get this one. You can't bring it back up and repeat the matter because the more you repeat it, the more you shame the other person and guilt the other person, you are separating the friendship. Real friends learn to forgive and to move forward. I think one of the things that we learn when we mess up in life is we do learn who our real friends really are, right? I mean, you don't know who is loyal to you until you do something that they don't like. And their response kind of shows you whether they were loyal or not. So do something somebody doesn't like, you'll be able to tell who your real friend is. And, and uh, what's important though, is that if that were to happen, a real friend would forgive. Well, friend, would seek that forgiveness. Think about it like this. How often does God bring up your past? The answer is never. If you're thinking about it, that's you doing that to yourself. You gotta own those thoughts, control those thoughts, take those thoughts captive and don't let that happen because God is not bringing up your past to shame you any longer. 
Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sin from us. Bible says that God doesn't remember our sin. Not, not in the sense that he forgets, you know, not, not like that. Of course, he is an omniscient, all-powerful God. He can remember, but he chooses not to hold it against you. That's what forgiveness is. I'm not gonna hold this against you. So I'm gonna release this and let it go. That's what true friends do. This is what God has done from us. Now listen, even the strongest and richest relationships are gonna be tested over the course of time because we all make mistakes and we let people down. This is a part of relationships. So the, the, the encouragement though, is that we would actually forgive and that we would move forward, not keep bringing it back up. So are you a friend like this? Are you a friend to someone uh, that, that is closer than a brother? Are you a loyal friend? Are you someone that makes other Christians better? Are you willing to forgive and, and move forward? See, everybody wants a friend like that, but are you a friend like that to someone else? I think loneliness is one of the biggest problems we have in our culture right now. And you've heard people talk about how we're, you know, the most connected socially than we ever have been before because of social media and technology. And yet we are more isolated today than ever before. People spending time in their bedrooms and their homes and they're not outside. And so we're becoming creatures, in, indwelling creatures, like inside. And there's all kinds of negative um, uh, effects as a result. And, and we know God created us like this. He clearly says it's not good for us to be alone. So we have to get outside of our homes, outside of our comfort zones. We've got to get outside and, and seek out these relationships in our life. When you read the Bible, you see that great examples of friendships. David had Jonathan. Jesus had the disciples. Paul had Barnabas. Right? We see all of these examples all throughout the scripture of good friendships. And we want to model that our own, in our own life. And listen, I think the best way to find a friend is to start being a friend. Don't hear this message and go out and be like, oh, I got to get somebody who can be loyal to me and who can do this for me and who will be willing to forget. That's the wrong way. Remember, common bonds. Who, who are the people in your life right now that you have some common loves and common bonds? Seek, that, seek those relationships out. Spend more time. Make each other better. Invest it. Seek it out. Be a good friend to that person. Connect with them. So it might mean join a small group. It might mean start serving here because when you're serving in a church, you're meeting other people like-minded. And, and, and I believe your best friends are in this church. You just have to find them and you just have to spend the time investing within them. Some of you need to take your first step and go to base camp and start that journey of, of maturity and begin to understand God's purpose for your life. You might be thinking, I don't have this friend and I don't think I'm ever gonna have this friend. And you know, you're not taking my advice on how to be a friend today. You just kind of wanna sit and the woe is me. I've got one last point for you. You already have the greatest friend. You see the greatest friend in the world laid down his life for you. In fact, Jesus said, I have called you friends. In John 15, 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Here is Jesus, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all life. He leaves heaven, takes the form of a baby, grows up, faces all the temptation that you and I face, and yet remains sinless. 
He leaves perfection, comes to this dirty earth with all of us sinners, and he willingly goes to the cross to die. And he is dying for his friends. He is dying for friends that reject him. He's dying for friends that rebel against him, that pretend like he's not important, that don't love him with all of their heart. He's dying for his friends and he's taking our sin to the cross and he's paying for that sin that you and I have. Now, why would he do that? Well, he might call us a friend after faith in Jesus, but the Bible says that if you've not committed your life to Jesus, you're an enemy of God. So as an enemy of God, you resist God, you reject him, you don't worship him, you don't follow him. And as a result, your eternity is separated from God forever. So Jesus comes and says, I'm gonna die and pay for the sins of my friends. And if they trust in me and believe in me, I'm gonna save my friends and I'm gonna let them come to my home, which is heaven for all eternity. And so that's what he does on the cross. He rose on the third grave on the third day. <laughs> he rose from the grave on the third day, proving that he was the Messiah, proving that he was who he said he was proving he, he had power over sin, power over death. And if you put your faith in him and you commit your life to him, he will call you a friend and you can be a child of God. That's the type of friend that God offers to you. Think about it. When you're weak, your best friend will give you strength. His name is Jesus. When you're lost, your best friend will give you wisdom and show you direction. His name is Jesus. At the end of your life, when death is staring you in the face, your best friend will call you home to glory to be with him forever in heaven. His name is Jesus. He's your best friend. He will stick closer to you than any brother, than any sister. He will never let you down. He will never forget about you. You are never alone when you know Jesus. You were never powerless when you know Jesus. You are never weak, really, when you know Jesus because he will give you the strength that you need to carry on. Our hope today is our best friend, that he would call us a friend, the creator and sustainer of the universe wants to be your friend. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants that relationship to grow. He wants that relationship to be deepened. So my encouragement and challenge is, do you know Jesus as a friend like this? Have you given him your life? Are you taking steps to develop that friendship? Remember the story of, of Peter. Peter was Jesus's best friend. And what happens when your best friend like rejects you or really offends you and hurts you? It, it's, it's hard for us when that happens. We question friendships when that happens. On the day that Jesus was, was arrested, he looked at Peter in the face and he said, you're gonna deny me uh, before tomorrow morning uh, three times that you know me. And Peter's like, oh, I'm never gonna do that, Jesus. All the other disciples, oh, we'd never deny you. We'd never reject you. But sure enough, three different times that night, Peter pretended like he didn't know Jesus. And on that third time, one of the gospels tells us that Jesus and Peter make eye contact. And in that moment, I can only imagine that in Peter's heart, 
He was finally seeing himself as he truly is. Jesus said you were gonna do it. You said you weren't gonna do it, but you did it. You betrayed your best friend. He must have felt like a coward. But at the same time, he also knew his best friend's love for him. And you see, when you know Jesus as a friend, he changes your heart forever. Yeah, Jesus forgave him and actually challenged him to be the leader of the church that he established and restored that relationship. And it changed Peter's heart and leadership forever. And the same is true for you and me. When you carry your burdens to Jesus, when you rely on Jesus as a friend, life gets sweeter. Perspective is given, wisdom is given. Remember, when you pursue wisdom, you are pursuing Jesus. Some of you may not know Christ today. I wanna to give you an opportunity to do that. Would you bow your heads? Maybe you're here and you would say, you know what? I've never committed my life to Jesus. I wouldn't say Jesus is my friend. Maybe, maybe Jesus is somebody that like you're not really against, but you wouldn't say that like he is a best friend, like you're not in a relationship with him. Well, this prayer is for you. This is a commitment that you can make to Christ right here, right now. God will save you, forgive you, and change you forever. Just say this to God. Just say, God, I believe Jesus is your son. Say, I confess that I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and he rose on the third day. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life right now. Save me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I believe that if you made that commitment to Christ, he is giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. The enemy of God has now become the friend of God. And your next step is baptism. I'm gonna encourage you to go, our, go to our care and prayer room, scan the QR code in front of you. Let us know that's a decision that you have made and you're ready to get baptized. For the rest of us, the challenge is, are we going to be the friend that God has called us to be to someone this week? That's my challenge. Let me pray for you all over the room and in Knoxville. God, help us to be a friend like this. God, help us to be loyal. Help us to make others better Christians. Help us to forgive and move forward. God, help us to be able to encourage those around us. Help us to experience the friendships that you are calling us to that would lead us to a deeper and richer life, deeper and richer commitment to you. Jesus, we love you. We, we pray that in the midst of, of our struggles today, no matter what that struggle is, God, that we would sense your encouragement and your calling we wanna live for you and we wanna experience you on a deeper level. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.